Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Binge List, your weekly guide to the best of Aussie TV. I'm your host, Matt Denby, and joining me are Who Magazine's TV experts, Gavin Scott and Claire Rigdon. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Matt Denby. Well, where has this year gone? We are now almost halfway through, or are we over? Yep, we're almost there, and this seems like a great place to take stock. Let's look at the best of the year so far, and also a few things we wish we'd never pressed play on. Uh, There's been some great Aussie dramas in 2018. Gavin, what's been your favourite so far? I'd have to say um, SBS drama Safe Harbour. Now, if you didn't see it, it, this was the one about a bunch of friends who were out in a a yacht and they come across a boatload of refugees who are clearly in distress. And there was a debate about whether to help them and the decision was made to tow them to safety. But then someone cut the rope between the two Mm. boats. So that was the big mystery at the heart of this series. Um, But then most of the action played out back in Australia. And the boat's captain, played by Ewan Leslie, ran... He's so great in this, isn't he? He was good. He ran into uh, Ishmael, one of the refugees, who is now working as a taxi driver. And so, as the mystery about what happened out at sea unfolded, a complex web of relationships played out between the yacht passengers and Ishmael's family. It was well acted, there was an intriguing moral dilemma at its core, and it was obviously a very timely story for SBS to be telling. So that gets my vote. What about you, Claire? Um, look, I, I'm i just going to be a little bit harsh and say that I'm still waiting for the best of Aussie drama this year. I haven't been overwhelmed by stuff. Safe Harbour was really great. I totally agree with you. If I had to pick at this point, I would say Mystery Road. I just finished watching that on the weekend. Um, I went out hard and binged the first four episodes and then sort of slowed down a little bit. Obviously, this is the one based on Ivan Sen's two, um, two films and it stars... Aaron Pedersen and this particular one stars Judy Davis as well and Aaron plays a detective investigating the uh, missing a missing person's case and a potential murder case up in the East Kimberley of Western Australia. The reason this gets my vote is for the outstanding cinematography and the general feel of this. It's absolutely stunning to watch. I mean, the, 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 the way that this is put together is world class and the, the, the shots of the East Kimberley are just amazing but i have to say i'm still waiting for my big aha moment with aussie drama what about you matt what do you reckon well i was thinking long and hard about this and probably the one thing that stuck in my mind most was the abc's mardi gras movie riot it was great yeah Yeah, it was great that the abc decided to make a serious drama to commemorate the 40th anniversary of that night which changed australia forever um covering the first mardi gras which culminated in a riot there was some horrendous police brutality which was documented in this film and of course there's been massive social change ever since that day which affects all of our lives and i think you know with the abc under fire like never before it's great to highlight the fantastic work that they do which um is not often covered by um other major media outlets in this country claire i noticed your favorite was another abc production yeah and it's just it's 
worth noting amidst all of this uh, news and all this controversy surrounding the potential privatisation of the ABC that two of the three picks of ours have been ABC. The other one is SBS, which is also partly publicly funded. So, yeah, I think it's worth noting that the ABC and SBS are representing there. So good on them. Good words, Claire. Binge List, brought to you by Who Magazine. Well, anyone who knows our friend Gavin knows he loves nothing better than a good list. <laughs> he, he does. He could compile lists all day long. All day. And he's had a great idea for the three of us to compile our top five shows of the year so far. Gavin's going to start us off. Gavin, tell us what you loved. And I am going to count down from five to number one. Of course you are. Of course you are. So my number five show for the year was, uh, of the year so far, was The Good Fight Season 2. Number four, The Bridge Season 4. Number three, 13 Reasons Why Season 2. Number two, Killing Eve. And number one, the second season of The Handmaid's Tale. Now, we've talked about most of them on the show before, but I am going to talk quickly about The Bridge Season 4. And for me, The Bridge is the best Scandi Noir series of them all. Better than The Killing, better than Modus, better than Midnight Sun and all those others. And it has just concluded after four great seasons. Season 1 set the standard early on. A body was found lying on the exact border between Denmark and Sweden, on the bridge that connects the two countries, thus the name of the show. And as such, it required cooperation between police departments from both countries. So a pair of mismatched detectives is a TV trope as old as well TV. But in the bridge, it was more than just a cliché. From Sweden, we had Saiga Norin, played by Sophia Helen, who likely suffers from Asperger's, although that is never stated. She's inflexible, she's fixated on the job and socially awkward, and she's paired with the affable, often laughing Martin Road, played by Kim Bodnia, who was Constantine in Killing Eve, most recently. Oh, right, wow. So he stuck around for seasons one and two, and then Sega had a new partner for seasons three and four. So the crimes in the bridge were always bizarre. The seasons usually started with a whole bunch of storylines that didn't seem to be connected in any way, but they gradually all converged into a satisfying resolution. And in season four, Sega experienced great personal growth while still remaining resolutely Sega. I would wholeheartedly recommend you watching the bridge if you haven't watched it before. And if you haven't watched season four, get on with it. I'm totally going to do that, Gav. It sounds really good. Thanks, Gav. Now, Claire and I are going to get to our top five soon enough. But before that, we want you to know that this isn't just one big love fest. There have been some big disappointments this year and no one likes to be let down. Claire, what's been your biggest disappointment? Oh, look, by far it would have to be Romper Stomper. And I I don't like crapping all over locally produced shows. They're not, um, you know, it's not something I want to do. It's not it's not beneficial to, to the industry as a whole. But, um, yeah, I was really disappointed. I was really looking forward to Romper Stomper. I interviewed a lot of the cast and I thought it was a really interesting premise about moving on the 1990s film. Uh, I think that it really lost its way about halfway through the season, to be honest. And I, I have to admit, I got to episode five and I bailed out, which I'm, I'm not, I'm not pleased to admit to. I like to finish things that I start. But um, yeah, there was something about this show that I just found incredibly frustrating. Uh, I was left wanting more, but not in a good way. I felt like things weren't fleshed out well enough. Um, it could have been sensational. It was. Stan, and I think that they had high hopes for it, but yeah, it didn't resonate with me. 
Well, speaking of bailing out, um, I bailed out on Westworld, and and Matt, how how did you feel about this season of Westworld? Look, I have very mixed feelings about Westworld, and if you've been listening to this podcast from episode one, you'd know that uh, the first season of Westworld was one of my favourite shows of recent times, so I was really looking forward to season two. Now, I am struggling a little bit in the early episodes because I'm finding it a little aimless. It is struggling to find a new direction I think I know there's going to be a big payoff simply because the writers are so great and because I'm aware of some advanced buzz about some upcoming episodes that I haven't seen Mm -hmm. Uh, but for several of the first episodes it's often been shambolic and a bit rambling I don't like the feeling that the writers don't really know where this is all going and that they're just feeling are they making it up as they go along yeah yeah I don't know are they feeling their their way are they sounding out ideas it reminds me of Battlestar Galactica which we all found out in the end that they were making it up as they went along yeah. because there was no satisfactory outcome. What's happening with Teddy? What is the point of Teddy? The character of Teddy, he seems to have no role. We ha- we've seen some interesting little things. We saw a little bit of British Raj world. That's where the tiger came from. But, you know, I am going to stick it out. I am going to wait till it gets better, but I'm not massively enthused, and that's the truth. No, I'm not either. It just seems to go from one lot of characters getting shot at to another lot of characters getting shot at. And, you know, I really wanted another Lost-style show. I know you don't like me comparing it to Lost, but, you know, a show <laughs> with a rich mythology to get into. But yeah. besides all the clues and the jigsaw pieces, I want characters I care about and storylines that interest me. And I really, really like Maeve, and in the episodes I, I saw, she was barely in it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I bailed after I think midway through episode three. So um, I don't know. I don't know. People still care passionately about it. If you go online, you can they see do, that. Yeah. Maybe maybe people out there listening should tell us why they're sticking with Westworld. Please do. And Claire, we have another show that we didn't stick with. Picnic and Hanging oh. Rock. I'm kind of a little bit embarrassed because we gushed about it so much I know, in uh, I know. episode two of this podcast because I, I still stand by the belief that episode one of Picnic is one of the best pieces of Australian drama all year. Yes, I completely agree with you. It's pitch perfect. It's a five-star episode. It's great. If they'd um, just stretched it out by another sort of half an hour, it could have been a fantastic standalone um, movie, which would have had a fantastic home on, on Foxtel. The people behind this were are, are great. They're very good. You know, they're behind other shows that we absolutely adore, like Wentworth. And um, But, yeah, I, I've got up to episode three. And I'm 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 really struggling to want to get beyond it, which is such a shame because there's a lot to love about this. There's some fine performances from the young cast. It looks visually very beautiful. It's interestingly shot. I can't connect with it, Gavin. What about you? No, I'm exactly the same. I got to episode three as well, and I just went, you know what? I just don't care. And I think it's because the actresses who played the girls who went missing were great, but then they went missing, and so they're not in it that much. <laughs> yeah. And it's and we had all these well, other actors and characters. Though. They're in flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. But then we had all these other characters that just weren't as strong, and even Natalie Dormer's Mrs. Appleyard lost some of that initial spark for me. So, yeah, I, I bailed and thought, you know what? I'm not going to get to the end of this mystery, and I kind of don't care. Yeah, and everybody's gone very quiet. I, I have read one sort of fairly scathing critique of it, uh, and then it's just been a sort of a little bit of silence on it. And I, I feel like, yeah, I I don't know. There are people that love this, though, because on in my Twitter feed there are people going, just finished picnic, loved it. So um, it's a very, you know, it's a very personal opinion that we have. But, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what you guys reckon. So hit us up on Twitter and let us know. 
Okay, listeners, now it's time for my top five shows of this year so far. Coming in at number five, I've got ABC News Breakfast with Michael Rowland and Virginia Trioli. Loving the show. It's just going from strength to strength to strength. Coming in at number four, I've got Killing Eve. Fantastic show. If you've listened to this podcast, you know how much we all adore it. Please do watch it on iview. At number three, Channel 10's Gogglebox. It just never gets old. They keep freshening it with new people and the the new casting's been fantastic. It's become compulsory viewing for me. At number two, The Handmaid's Tale Season 2. Fantastic show. It did lag a little at the start of the season, but it quickly found its feet, unlike Westworld. And at number one... Netflix's Black Mirror. I can't. This is get, a cracker. It is yeah. a fantastic show. Now it's not a feel-good show. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling anxious about the world, don't watch Black Mirror, please. No. Not all shows have to make you happy, though. It does leave you feeling very disturbed. Um, more often than not, they have the occasional light episode that's a bit whimsical, but some of them are so bleak you're going to walk away with a big cloud over your head. And oh, once totally. again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good show that uh, elicits emotions in its viewers. Um, it's bleak. It, but it is uh, incredibly inventive. I find each season very fresh. It doesn't feel like rehashes at all. I think this show has a lot more legs. We're going to see several more seasons. It may go on indefinitely. Uh, If it sounds good to you, watch Black Mirror. And can I just check, Matt, because I've only ever watched one episode of Black Mirror, but it is every episode is a completely different story. It is completely different. No more pigs. Who magazine's binge, binge, binge list. Right. Reality TV shows have never been more popular on Australian TV. Guys, what's been your favourite reality shows of this year so far? Well, the big one is obviously Married at First Sight, right? You you guys watched that, didn't you? Yeah. This is actually, I put Married at First Sight in my top five shows of the year, period, because it just was so well done this season. It perfectly cast. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, it's it's actually quite hard to envisage them topping it next year. I mean, it's been renewed, as has Love Island, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Bachelor in Paradise will be back too. But that love triangle between Dean and Davina and Tracy was just so well-crafted. Yeah. It was soap-like. And the amazing thing is, is that the shenanigans are continuing beyond the show. Yeah. As we watch all the Instagram, on Instagram, all the cast continue their ridiculous quest for fame. Like, it's just the gift that keeps giving. I loved it. Yeah, this show is absolute trash, but it's very, very well honed. It's fantastically well produced for the product that they're yeah, aiming to make. I think maybe it's peaked, though, because... I think nobody, nobody, even the most naive viewer, still believes that this is a genuine social experiment. We all know that it's set up for drama, conflict and trash. Yeah. Um, That's why I think they should bring all of them back and do something like a catch-up episode. Or I, I don't know how they could do that. But getting the people involved from this season back again would be absolutely fascinating. Real housewife style. Someone can throw yeah. a table. Yeah. 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 And so I'd Cla- watch that for sure. So, Claire, I understand that you're a massive fan of Bachelor in Paradise. It's one of your favourites from this year. Yes, I do love a bit of Bip. Um, I was tasked with covering this show for Who this year and writing opinion pieces, which I absolutely loved. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew I loved writing about this show but um i wasn't really a fan beforehand but i've just become obsessed and so you could ask me anything about anything that happened on that island and i would be able to tell you but um yeah again for the same reason it's it is what it is but it is very well done and um i like to think that this is the kind of show that could go on to infinity because i like to think that the bachelor the bachelor and the bachelorettes and all the people involved can just date within that social circle for the rest of their lives, and then you've got babies and marriages and divorces, but they're only allowed 
to get it on with other people who've been on the show, that would be my ideal for this show. For, like, it's just so great. I bloody love it. Fantastic You're all pitch. just like, there's a, there's a conspicuous silence there in the background. You're all like raising your eyebrows at me. <laughs> I love that you love it. That's all I care about. Now, Gavin, oh, Gavin, you like a very different uh, reality show. I do. I, when, when it comes to Australian reality TV, yeah, I've been watching Great Australian Bake Off, and I started watching that by default. My partner's a fan of both the British and the Aussie ones, and I'm, over time, I, I've just I find myself sitting down and watching it. And I'm, hey, I'm not into these kind of dating social experiment shows. I like reality shows, competition ones like Project Runway and Top Chef and things like that. And so, uh, Great Australian Bake off really sits in in that kind of uh genre of reality show i like that it doesn't go on for countless weeks with multiple episodes every week um i like the light-hearted spirit of it and and they're all very supportive of of each other but they're also highly skilled at what they do so uh hmm. yeah that, that gets my vote for best reality this year are you a baker matt um gap i you know i'm a lapsed baker um, oh, same, same, so am I. I used to, yeah, bake a, you know, whip up a batch of cookies or a slice or something like that. But yeah, I think I've just got a bit lazy. Yeah. Or maybe just like having kids and, and having a laugh got in the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Watching I, TV got in the way. I was always yeah. very motivated to bake a cake when I was trying to win over someone's heart. <gasps> well, that is How the way to. Very, heart. very, very well. Now, oh, now Claire. It's your turn now. What's your top five favourite shows of the year so far? Okay, I'm going to count down and then I'm going to zero in on two of the shows. So uh, coming in at number five is an iView, ABC iView um, comedy called Fleabag, which I'll get back to in a minute. Number four is Married at First Sight for the aforementioned reasons and also because I have exceptionally bad taste. Uh, number three is The Santa Clarita Diet Season 2, which we've talked about on this podcast. Uh, number two and number one are an equal match, and it's The Handmaid's Tale and Killing Eve. Both of these shows are absolutely exceptional. The Handmaid's Tale, I think, might nudge it for number one, only because I just watched episode nine a couple of hours ago, and I was like, this is sensational. Fleabag, which is this comedy that's on ABC Comedy and iView, and it's all about an, a, a British woman who's recently lost her best friend. She's trying to piece her life back together and her love life, and she's failing endearingly at everything. It's it's actually surprisingly poignant, and anyone who's ever kind of blundered their way through a difficult spot in their personal life will really identify with this bittersweet comedy. And the thing is that I love about it is that it has her voice all over it. She stars in it as well. Um and it's that same voice that's in Killing Eve that is just exceptionally good. She's an exceptionally good writer. And, uh, yeah, so you guys, if you haven't seen this, I don't know if you have. It actually came out last year, but it only dropped on Ivy this year. But um, if you haven't seen it, check it out. What did you? What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think I will check it out. I, I think it's really interesting that, you know, as much as we disagree about stuff, all three of us had The Handmaid's Tale and Killing Eve in our top yeah. five. We sure did. So we clearly... Sure did. They are the best shows. They're, Absolutely. they're the clear winners, yeah. I mean, I, and I don't know about you guys, but it's, it's almost impossible to separate Killing Eve and um, The Handmaid's Tale in my mind. They're both just equally as good. I'm holding out for the finale of Handmaid's Tale. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm like you. I'm up to – I just watched episode nine, and I think it's the last few oh, episodes are going to be I – don't, I don't know. I really don't know what to expect from them. I'm fearful for a couple of the characters, what's going to happen to them. But we will uh, completely discuss The Handmaid's Tale finale in a few weeks' time. Who magazine's binge list? 
Now, everyone in the office is really shocked by a bit of news today. The news that the Jerry Springer show has been cancelled after <laughs> 27 years. And the reason we're so shocked is that nobody knew this was still on. I honestly yeah. thought that it had been axed maybe 15 years ago, even longer. At least, yeah. Yeah, and so this raises the question, what is still on air that nobody knew was still going? And I knew that Gavin would have an answer to this question. Gavin, take list, it over. Surely. Um, well, I have a list of two. Um, <laughs> a couple of shows that are still going. They're into their sixth and seventh season, respectively, and then one's just finished, and I'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, they've been going for a long time, and I think they've lost the buzz that was around them in early seasons. But, you know, I'm, I'm one to dip out of a show as soon as I get bored. You might have got that impression already. But these shows I have stuck with to the end and they're worth sticking with. So let's talk about them. The first one is The Americans Season 6. And now this is the one that has just finished. And I watched the final episode about an hour ago and, oh, my gosh, what a finale. Yeah, I've heard it's amazing. It's really good. For anyone who doesn't know about The Americans... It was set in the 1980s and it followed a pair of KGB spies posing as your average American couple. Played by Kerry Russell and Matthew Reese. He was in Brothers and Sisters. Kerry Russell obviously used to be Felicity. Uh, and they became involved off screen during the series. But they played the Jennings, Philip and Elizabeth Jennings. And they were very good at maintaining their cover with both husband and wife mastering the art of disguise. So over the run of the season, we've had all sorts of wigs and hair pieces and glasses and all all sorts of things. They've also been very good at running around gaining intel and killing people. Uh, Now, over the years, they've had a couple of close calls, but as season six wrapped up their story, the walls really started to close in on them, especially in the final episode. They had a a neighbour who was actually an FBI agent, of course, and he started to put yeah he started to put things together and the seasons were often slow burns they'd start slowly and gradually gradually ratchet up the drama until an intense finale and then they'd do the whole thing all over again the next season but your patience and persistence were always rewarded with an explosive finale. And what's always been interesting is how invested in Philip and Elizabeth the audience has been. I mean, they're the enemy. They're the bad guys. They're the KGB spies. But you want them to get away. Do they get away with it? Well, you just have to watch the show. And it's on Foxtel On Demand. Now, the other show that I've stayed with long after a lot of people have dropped off is Homeland. And I know, Claire, you're, you've dropped off Homeland, haven't you? Yeah, it is on my list um, to catch up on, though. I, I'm definitely going to go back to it. I'm about to go on holidays for two weeks, so I think we'll probably revisit it while I'm away. It's definitely worth it because, I mean, do you remember when Homeland was massive and it got all those yeah. awards and everyone was going on about Claire Danes? I still love it. I still love I still love Claire Danes, and I got over the fact that Brody's no longer in it. It took me a long time, but I got there. Yeah, well, exactly. But everyone used to talk about it and then it lost all its buzz and you might be surprised it was even still on. It was on SBS this year. They got the rights to it after Channel uh, they lapsed on Channel 10. But the show has come a long way since it was about her suspicions of returned prisoner of war, Nicholas Brody, played by Damien mm. Lewis. And she thought he was a terrorist and it turned out he, he was. Was a terrorist. <laughs> yes. So she was on the money. And despite a few missteps along the way, it's been really strong the, the entire time. Uh, in Season 7, Carrie was on the outs with just about everybody. She wasn't working for the CIA anymore. She didn't actually have a job. But, she, of course, she was on the trail of a massive conspiracy to take down the US government. And she was also trying to cling on to custody of her daughter, Franny, and her mental health. So, oh, yeah, Franny. As always, lots going on with Carrie. So I, I don't know why people stopped watching it, um, but it's all on Netflix. I don't think 
think they have actually, Gavin. I think they've just moved platforms. I think people watch this on demand or on iTunes and download it now. I think the days of people waiting for this stuff to go to free to air are just over. Like if you're into this show, you're going to want to get to it before someone spoils it. Yeah, no, you, you could be right. I mean, there are so many ways to watch these things now. Can I just add another show that we haven't discussed here that is still really great and has been going for a bajillion series, and that is Grey's Anatomy. That's so funny. They're going for something like 15 years or whatever. Is that still it's on? It's still great. Exactly. That's what everyone says. It is, and it's still really good. You should. I dip into it every now and again because it'll come across my desk to review. And, um, yeah, it's surprising how easy it is to, to kind of dip back into it again. But, um, yeah, it's really good. It's really, really good. And there's a number of the original cast still in it, besides Ellen Pompeo, who's just not going anywhere. But um, Bailey's still in it, and uh, Alex Karev, they're, they're both still in it, aren't they? Yeah, and there's a couple coming back. But with, with all these shows, one thing that hasn't been back on air this year is Game of Thrones. And yes. in, in any other year, it would have been really noticeable because, you know, you, you wait for the new Game of Thrones. Everyone's talking about the Game of Thrones. But, but I feel like there's so much TV on that I almost didn't notice that Game of Thrones hadn't been on. Of course, the final season will air in 2019. But, uh, Matt, this ties into something you were talking about, how we've kind of reached peak TV, haven't we? We have. The term is peak TV, everybody. It's what everybody's mm. talking about in Hollywood right now, that there's such a glut of television, some of it good, some of it mid some of it awful, but just so much of it that people are having a lot of trouble keeping up. And I can I just take things back to Peter Hanging Rock. If you recall, I was really hyped about watching Peter Hanging Rock, being a big lover of the original movie. And just because of the, the the mediocre feedback I was getting from you guys and other people about how it was not up to snuff. I had so much other TV I had to watch and wanted to watch. I've just never watched Pinnacle Hanging Rock. And it's because oh, of yeah, peak right. TV. Um, mm. And that's a real issue. And it also plays into the Game of Thrones situation. Who's even noticed that Game of Thrones has been off air? I certainly haven't. There's just so much stuff. And it's only going to yeah. get worse. You've got YouTube Red. You've got all these other people coming out with great content. Amazon have their own studio now. So they're about to start churning out a whole lot of original content. I mean, it really does make you make you wonder what's to become of television. Um, it, just everything, even in the sort of 15 years that Gavin and I have been working together um, and you, Matt, you know, like it's I remember the days when when we'd have to get videos, VHS is sent overnight from America to catch up on shows that were on in the States that wouldn't be on in Australia for a year or so like. Things are just unrecognisable now, and I have actually read it, read something recently that said a lot of TV writers, a lot of the old guard are just quitting and retiring because they just can't keep up. It's just the workload is huge, and that just extends to viewers too. There, there is a lot to watch, but do you know what can help you decide what to watch? Binge the list. Binge list. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed our year in review so far. It's been a lot of fun bringing you uh, our favourites and our least favourites today. If you enjoyed what you heard or if you disagree with what you heard, get in contact with us on Twitter. And otherwise, we look forward to uh, hearing from you next week. Um, tune in and please subscribe on iTunes and Omni. Thanks again, guys. Bye. See ya. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.